Well, our speaker today is an educator. She's a pastor. I consider her a friend. And she's also a missionary now. Lisa Morrison has a lot that she's experienced, a lot that she has done. And God has directed her now to be a missionary to Africa, yet unassigned, but stepping into those doors that God has for her. I asked Lisa to come. We heard her speak at our missionary convention. I asked her to come and to kind of tie into our series of prophets and promises and share some of her call and what God might lay on her heart. And following the service, as you're you're leaving, um, as Becca mentioned, we give our tithes and our offerings as we're going out the door, and we put that in the basket. If God lays on your heart to want to give a love offering to Lisa to help support the beginning of her missions a career, then we would invite you to just label that as such, and uh, we'll make sure that that gets to the proper places. There's also a table that you'd be interested in looking at, at some of the endeavors she's involved in education when it comes to Africa. But first and foremost, I know this about Lisa. She feels God has called her to preach. And so would you welcome with me Pastor Lisa Morrison today. Good morning, Community Chapel. Good morning. It's great to be with you. I've been in this sanctuary, in this church quite often, but I've never preached here. So I am grateful that Pastor Jeff asked me to come and preach. It's nice to see some familiar faces. And often when I'm asked to come and share the word, the pastor's not here because I'm filling in. So it's just a blessing to have you here. I've served with Jeff over the years as colleagues in ministry, and we've served on ministry boards, and I have great respect for your pastor. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. So you are blessed to have him. Let me start with a prayer, if I may. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are in your house this morning. There's no greater place to be than to be in your presence and to worship you and exalt you. And Lord, you are God who wants to meet with us. Thank you that you want to meet with your people. And Lord, you want to, to, to make your presence known to us and you also want to speak to us. And you want to also listen to our concerns and our burdens. And so, as I proclaim your word, the word I believe you've laid on my heart this morning, may you give us ears to hear, hearts to listen, and may you give us the ability to do that which you might speak to us today to do. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Probably most of us at one time have watched the movie The Wizard of Oz. And it's quite the classic, so we've probably seen it. And we follow Dorothy and her three friends and Toto down the yellow brick road to get to the Emerald City to come before the great Wizard of Oz because they all need something. The scarecrow needs a brain, and the tin man needs a heart, and the cowardly, excuse me, lion needs some courage. And Dorothy, in her ruby red slippers, wants to go home to Kansas. Now, if you've ever been to Kansas, I don't know why you'd ever want to go back to Kansas. Uh, I was living in Kansas City for a little while on the Missouri side, but 
I went to Kansas and I thought, I don't ever need to come back here. But Dor that's home for Dorothy, so of course she wants to go home to Kansas. And the only way that they can do that is to follow the Yellow Brick Road to get to the Emerald City and to meet the great Wizard of Oz and hopefully he can grant their request. And they get, here, get there and they're on the steps, if you remember the scene, and the wizard absolutely fuses for them to come in and then Dorothy starts crying and says, I want to go home, I want to go home. And the wizard overhears the story and he lets them in. Now, of course, the four of them and little Toto, we can't forget Toto is coming along too. <coughs> Excuse me. They go down this huge hallway with these huge arches. You remember the green um, shadow or the lighting all the way down the hallway. The hallway itself is intimidating and would cause us to become undone, but they hold on to each other and they're not skipping down the yellow brick road. They're kind of anxiously going down that big long hallway because they know that the wizard is at the other end and they have no idea what they're going to experience. And when they open up into, into the big room, there's fire coming up. And there's a picture of the wizard on the wall. It's all green, so in and of itself, it's scary. I remember as a child, the first time I watched it, I was terrified when they entered into the room. And, and so there they are with the smoke and the fire and the wizard, and, and they're scared. They're afraid, and, and, and of course the scarecrow, his can barely stand, and the lion passes out because he's lost all courage, and the tin man is shaking in his tin, and Dorothy is just trying to be as strong as possible because she wants to go home to Kansas, and they've come, through, come so far through many perils, right? And they get there, and the wizard speaks, and that in and of itself terrifies you because he has this big, booming voice, and he speaks them not so kindly, and yet they're, they're anxious, they're afraid, they're nervous, they're terrified, uh, and they're undone. And we have a passage in scripture that's very parallel to this, only we don't have a green hallway and we don't have somebody on the screen, but we have a passage where one of our prophets comes into, uh, has a vision of the throne room. And I want us to look at that passage today and he's going to become undone as well. And if you would turn with me to Isaiah 6, we'll look at this passage of an encounter with God, what it is like, and what is the result when we encounter God. So Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, 1. In the year the king, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, and with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. 
And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. It sounds like the same with Dorothy, only obviously a bit different. But what is Isaiah's response? I mean, he's terrified as well. He says, woe to me, in verse 5. Uh, I am ruined, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atone for. And then I heard the, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And the Lord said, go and tell these people. Now the message Isaiah gets to go and tell is not a very nice message, it's kind of gloom and doom actually. And so what does the Lord say to Isaiah to go and tell the people? Be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving, make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then Isaiah says, how long, Lord, do I have to proclaim this message of gloom and doom? And the Lord says, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Amen. So I trust if we have a relationship with God, at some point, We've had an encounter with him, a revelation of him, maybe a vision of him. Maybe it's not as big and grand as Isaiah's because I think that would leave us terrified or nervous or anxious and we would feel undone. But this vision that Isaiah has is a vision of God in his holy temple, high and lifted up. His train fills the whole um, throne area. There are seraphim flying around, crying and praising out to God, holy, holy, holy. There's smoke and the doorposts are shaking. I don't know about you, but I'd be undone if that's the kind of vision that I, I might see. And I've had revelations of God because God desires to reveal himself to us because we're his children. They haven't been this grand which is okay with me. <laughs> I don't need a grand revelation of God. But we've all encountered God because he seeks to reveal himself to us. He wants us to encounter him. And when God um, shares himself, reveals himself to us, there's a sense of awe, isn't there? There's a sense of reverential fear that the God of the universe, the creator, wants to reveal himself to us. And who am I? Who am I that he wants to do that? And so there's an awe that God has revealed himself to us.
I remember almost 25 years ago, maybe even longer, God gave me a vision, and usually I don't get visions, and that's not how God communicates to me, but he gave me a vision of teaching in one of our theological colleges overseas. And the people were black, and so I assumed I was going to Africa. But I had no interest in going to Africa, but that was the vision. And over the years, I tried to make it happen every now and then, but it just didn't come together. And then God chose a very specific time for me to go to Africa. It was all in his timing. And, and so when God speaks, and I've obviously had other encounters. They've all not been so big to say, I want you to go overseas and teach. But we have encounters with God, don't we? Sometimes he just wants to make his presence known that he is with us. That we don't need to be afraid. That we don't need to be undone because he's present with us. Sometimes he has something specific to say to us. Sometimes he just wants us to know he's here, he's guiding, he's leading, he's directing. But we have those encounters, don't we? And what's the result when we have an encounter with God? Well, there's that awe that God has revealed himself to us. And then with Isaiah, Isaiah recognizes, because Isaiah has this huge, grand vision, and his response is, woe to me, because he has a vision of himself as he encounters God. He has this vision of himself that he is not quite like this holy, holy, holy God. Instead, he's unholy and feels unholy and senses his unholiness. And so he cries out, woe to me, I am ruined, I am undone. Why? Because I'm a sinful man. And I live among a people that are sinful as well. And what is God's response? Does he just wipe them out? <laughs> he doesn't, does he? Instead, what happens is that God wants to cleanse us and purify us so that we might be in relationship with him. Because a holy God wants to make his people holy. And how does he do this? Well, Isaiah is aware of his unholiness. And then the seraphim, what do they do? Well, they bring a live coal, don't they? from the altar. That live coal represents fire. And what does fire do? It purges, it cleanses. It gets rid of the dross in the metals, doesn't it? And that's what that fire does for us. It comes and it cleanses. It's the Holy Spirit fire within us to cleanse us and purify us from our sinfulness, our sinful ways. And it comes from the altar. And on that altar, God was the one who originally lit that altar and kept it, it uh, lit. And so it's continually burning. And God has the seraphim bring that live coal to touch Isaiah's lips because God is going to ask Isaiah to go and proclaim the gospel message, the truth to the people that have not been doing so well following him. And we could equate this to Pentecost in the New Testament, where those tongues of fire come down and they land on the disciples. 
Why? Because the disciples are about ready to proclaim the message that Jesus has come, Jesus has died, and Jesus has resurrected. And Jesus wants a relationship with us. So we need to be purified of our sinfulness when we are going to serve God. And that's the third thing we see here, isn't it? That, that God reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to Isaiah. Isaiah becomes undone in his unholiness, in his sinfulness. And then what does God say in verse... I can't see those little numbers on my glasses. Verse 8. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God doesn't just leave us there, does he? When, when we get to encounter him, when he cleanses us, forgives us of our sin. Instead, God says what? Whom shall I send and who will go for us? This isn't just for Isaiah. This is for all of us who have relationship with God. God has a purpose. God has a mission for each and every one of us. That's exciting, isn't it? That the God of the universe wants to use us to, to live out the message, to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not all going to get the same mission, are we? We're going to get ones that God specifically chooses for us. And what is Isaiah's response in verse 8? He immediately says, here am I, send me. It's immediate. He has this encounter with God. He has this vision of his own sinfulness. His sinfulness is purged. And then God immediately says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And immediately Isaiah says, here I am, send me. I don't know about you, but I often when you have this encounter, I have to think a little while and say, well, what about this and what about that? What about this? Um, I don't know if I'm your person, God, or I don't know if I could do what you're calling me to do. So we, we take this example of Isaiah when he says, here am I, send me. And then God commissions him and says, go and tell the people. And then he gives them that gloom and doom message. But that's what God called Isaiah to do. And for me, God had given me this vision to go overseas and, and teach. And God made that possible in 2015. And I went overseas. I, I taught in Johannesburg South Africa at Nazarene Theological College, and if you want to put the slide up, you could, could do that. And, and so I, I went to Nazarene Theological College in South Africa, and as I was on the campus after a few days, I stood there and I looked around and I thought to myself, God, this is what I've been seeing for 25 years. This is what I've been seeing in my heart. This is what I've been seeing in my mind. And I just kind of wondered, why did it take 25 years to get me here? But it did, and I loved my time at Nazarene Theological College. It was a blessing beyond measure. I lived on campus. I lived among my students. I spent a lot of time with my students. I loved just teaching them, spending time with them, hearing their calls, seeing them do ministry together, the way they related together. I absolutely loved it. And within less than three weeks to come back home, 
God woke me up one morning and he said, one of your students, Tappy, is the daughter you have always wanted. And I just wept because I thought, God, you are the God who sees and you've seen this desire in my heart all of these years. And then he put this huge burst of love in my heart for her. And after I got over the awe, and after I got over being undone at this encounter with God, I thought to myself, um, she lives in South Africa, and I live in North America. We live an Atlantic Ocean apart, and we live on different continents. How is this going to play itself out? And did you tell her <laughs> that I was the mother? <laughs> that she had always wanted. <laughs> she already had a mother and a grandmother, so does she need an American mother? And how do you be a, a mother when you're 9,000 miles apart? And God, in those last couple weeks, just merged us together. And I told her the night before I came home what God had said to me. And she says, I feel the same way about you. And then the next day I left, we didn't even get to say goodbye. <clears throat> and on my plane ride home, it was about Thanksgiving. God spoke to me again. I had another encounter. It's a long plane ride home, so you could have lots of encounters with God if you listen and spend time with him. And he said, uh, I want you to bring Tappy to America. You've had lots of experiences of going overseas. You've done missions. Yes, there she is. <laughs> um, you've done missions overseas. Are you willing to bring her here? And I said, I'm willing to bring her here. I just don't have any money because I'd volunteered for five months in South Africa and you know, it's Christmas time, so you know what that means. And when I've come to realize when it's God's will, it's God's bill. Let me say that again. If, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And, and God did miracle after miracle to, to bring Tappy here. Uh, he wanted her, I was pastoring in Plymouth, he, he, he spoke very clearly and said, I want you to bring her to do an internship with you at your church, and then I want her to meet her American family at Christmas time. So God, I got home, I need to make this short, I got home, a friend and I were playing phone tag, he finally got in touch with him, and he said, Lisa, God's laid it on my heart to send you $1,000, not for your church, but for you. I have no idea what it's for. And I said, I know what it's for. It's for a plane ticket. And so I explained to him about Tabby coming to America. And then other people just handed me money or handed me gift cards to, to the grocery store or wherever. And, and Tabby needed a visa in a very short time. And God made all of that happen. And we had a blessed and anointed month together doing ministry. And my, my family, her American family, we spent Christmas together. And Tabby got to see snow for the first time because she comes from a southern climate. We live in a, a, a winter climate. And, and so on my birthday in January, Tabby went back home. We had no idea when we would see each other again. Tabby hated America. She hated the food. She hated the cold weather. Uh, the people weren't as warm and friendly as, as Africans are, so she just really struggled. And so when she got home, she told her family she is never coming back to the United States. 
Don't use that word never in a sentence. And, and so she, she went home, I was here, and God began to speak to both of us, unbeknownst to, to one another, that he wanted her to come to school here. He wanted her to go to ENC and get her bachelor's in religion. Of course, she had no desire to come back. She had no desire to leave South Africa. I had no money. I was pastoring a small old church of 25 people. I had not saved money for a child to go to college. But again, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And she came, and the first year she was here, we moved 10 times in 12 months. It was crazy, and in the midst of that, she got a 4.0, which was just crazy on top of that. And there wasn't a night that we didn't have a place to sleep, we didn't miss any meals, but God had us on the move, living by faith. And when she came, I also had left my church because God had asked me to do that in order to, to lay my life down to uh, mentor her, support her, mother her, encourage her in this journey. So the first year of her being here, I didn't work. Now, I don't have a husband, so he wasn't working either, <laughs> so there was no money um, coming in, and now I have an extra mouth to feed and a child to clothe because she didn't have winter clothes, and tuition bills. You know, if you've had to pay one, they come every semester. <laughs> And, and then we didn't have a permanent home for the first year. And so all of this is going on, and it's an incredible journey of faith. Had we known all of that ahead of time, we probably would have said, no thanks. Um, but God called, and we both said, here, I, here am I, send me. And I remember the, there, it was a January. It was just about time to pay the tuition again, and I went to the post office because I didn't have a permanent address, so I didn't have a post office box, and I went there, and I opened it up, and there was a check in there for 4,000 some odd dollars to pay for tapis, tuition, books, etc. God just kept providing and kept providing and kept providing, and we kept doing what God had asked us to do because we had encountered God on this journey, and this is what he asked of us. And then we thought after she finished her degree at, at ENC that she would go home to South Africa because that had always been the plan. It was never to stay here. And God began to speak to her about going to seminary. And we thought maybe she'd go to Gordon-Conwell here in the north of Boston because they offered a full scholarship to African students. So it was like, that's good. I don't have to move and you'll be centrally located. And God said, mm-mm, I want you to go to Kansas City to go to the Nazarene Theological Seminary. Well, by that time, she lived here for a couple of years, so I was gonna, and she was older, so I was just gonna send her, and she was ready to go, and God said, uh, I want you to go too. I said, really? Kansas City? Ugh, I'd always lived in New England. So I packed my bags and we moved out to Kansas City and the pandemic hit and I lost my job. And I went to, to the Lord and I said, do you want me to collect unemployment? Hear me well, people. Do you want me to collect unemployment? And he said to me, no, I am your provider, not the US government. Now here's the part I want you to hear. Some of you collected unemployment and that was right for you and it was good for you. But it was not for us because God had called us on this God-ordained journey. So again, God's will, God's bill. So I didn't work 
at least seven or eight months of, of the year the pandemic hit. And right after I, I said, okay, I will not apply for unemployment, I will trust you, a check for $5,000 came in the mail. And another check for $5,000 came in the mail. And Tappy got a scholarship, a pandemic scholarship. And because she was working at the seminary, she got a free class every semester. And there was not a night that we didn't eat, we didn't miss any meals, and God kept providing, and God kept providing. Because if it's God's will, then he's going to provide for us. And Tappy went home a year ago. She graduated from seminary, and she is the academic dean of the school where we met. She was 27 at the time, never worked at a college, and became the academic dean. God has been molding and shaping her to go into the next chapter of what he's asking her. And for me, my life has forever changed because of my time teaching in South Africa. And it's also changed by having a South African daughter who lived with me for five years. And so when she went home, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I will do whatever, uh, I will go wherever I'm willing and able. And the Lord began to speak to me and lead me towards missions. In January, I contacted them, and I went through a two-week intensive missionary training in March, and I got accepted in April. And so now I'm waiting for my placement, and I hope to go to Africa. That's where my heart is, and we'll see what, what God will do with that. Um, it's his will. I said I'd be willing to go anywhere, and, and so I am willing to go anywhere. And what I find kind of interesting is, again, we have this passage, are we willing to go? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And with our missionary package, this is what it says, send me. And then just in case you didn't get it, it says it again, send me. And again, Send me, send me, send me. Not all of us are going to have a call to go on the mission field, are we? But the question becomes, if, if we've had this encounter with God, and we've become undone in his almightiness, in his holiness, if we've had that vision of ourselves, we become undone in our unworthiness. And then we become undone when God says, will you go for me? The God of the universe is asking me to go for him. He's asking me to serve him. And maybe you don't have to go anywhere. Maybe you go right where you are. Because God calls us to serve in our churches, doesn't he? He calls us to, to lead in music and use our musical talents. He calls us to work in the nursery. He calls us to, to be hospitable and, and to welcome people. I have a woman in the church where I serve. She is disabled and she's in a wheelchair and almost every month or so she sends me a card. It's always a beautiful card and it's encouraging and that's her gift and oftentimes she puts a check in there and I'm so humbled because she's on disability but this, and I've, I've talked to her, I said there are very few people who send cards anymore, we send texts and emails, but it's wonderful to get something in the mail other than a bill, isn't it? And, and it's written to you personally and it says something personally and then she, 
oftentimes she puts that little check in there. And I'm humbled by her willingness to do what God has called her to do. Now that's not going to make it up in, in, in any place of fame. She's not going to get up here and preach a message. But she speaks to me quite often by her willingness to serve right where God has planted her and asked her to serve. And so today, God is still revealing himself to us. He wants to encounter us. He wants relationship with us. But he also wants us to go. He wants us to be like Isaiah, where we might say, send me. Send me to teen camp as a counselor. Send me to help James and the worship team play an instrument or sing a song. Send me to help with the finances at the church. God has gifted us all differently. And not all of us are going to to become a missionary and have to go overseas or move to Kansas City or Kansas. But God can use us right where we are, can't he? And are we willing to say, yes, Lord, I am here. Please send me. Please send me. I'm willing to go for you. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you that you make yourself known to us. And no, we don't have a grand vision like the Wizard of Oz going into the, <laughs> the big room, or we don't have this grand vision of Isaiah. But Lord, we know you reveal yourself to us. You have if we've walked with you. Because you're a God who just doesn't sit up in the throne or hide behind the curtain like the Wizard did. But you're a God who makes yourself known to us. And you're a God who wants to purge us from our sins and our guilt so that we might be able to, to be vessels and to be used in your service. And Lord, I just pray that whatever you're speaking to us about and whatever you're saying, whom shall I send and who will go, I pray our response is the same as Isaiah's. Lord, I'm humbled that you revealed yourself to me. I am undone by my own sinfulness but I am also undone that you want to use me. So may my answer be, yes, I will go, and I will do whatever it is that you're calling me to do. And we pray these things in thy precious name. Amen.